still here and crying. George, either go outside or come in. He doesn't know what he wants to do. He wants to be outside and with us, but we're inside, so it's a problem. He has the worst FOMO of any living being I've ever seen. Yes. He He just, whenever there's something that he could be doing, he wants to be doing that if he's not allowed to. Yesterday, he released a live bird in the house. What did you do? (laughs) I ran and shut the door and peeked through it as you... (laughs) fought it off with dealt with it yeah you dealt with it it lived yeah he ended up flying away and it's probably dead in the woods now but yeah i can hear him too george come in here we're doing a podcast episode number 23 of mike and Kristen. (laughs) george it's okay yeah he'll he'll figure it out it's like babies when you just let them cry it out that's a thing, right? And you have to choose between am I a parent that lets them cry it out or do I go in and cuddle with them, I think. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't know because George is the closest thing to... George is our cat, by the way, if uh, you're trying to figure out what we're talking about. <laughs> All right, we don't have a young baby that brought a bird into the house. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, the talent they'd yeah. have. You could... Uh, Probably make a lot of money off a baby who could catch birds. Like, imagine how good an athlete it would be. It's a niche market. But I don't mean from that specifically. I'm just saying, like, if a two or three year old was capable of catching birds with its bare hands, yes, like that, that specimen is going to go on to be a professional athlete, most I, likely. I remember seeing an article about a three year old Mongolian boy who could pile a perfect wood pile, and that. Is pretty impressive, of course, for a three-year-old, but it was speaking to, like, this is how they're raised from a young age, and this is all they're exposed to, is seeing their parents milk reindeer and pile wood. So he was very capable of those things. I saw a video of a three-year-old who smoked like a old <laughs> war veteran. <laughs> I saw him, too. He was, like, 300 pounds, yeah, too. Yeah, chubby and smoked, and he could twirl the cigarettes in his fingers like a... Mm. Like a baton? Like an old veteran smoker. Believe it or not, that is actually a good segue to get to the theme of today's episode. Inadvertent segues. Yeah. We wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about something that's a little bit outside of our normal theme. Um, But we're going to talk about it from the perspective of artists, so we'll keep it a little bit tighter. And that is just kind of general health and wellness, mindfulness, all of these things that we practice or attempt. Yeah, and not in the sense that we're trying to give health advice. No. It's uh, more just like what what is helpful or what we found helpful in terms of being artists that allows us to create better or just be at our best and not necessarily applicable to just artists, but... I think uh, I think it is a thing that, or I know it's a thing that people need to be talking about and take into consideration. And we've we've done a lot of different things to try to be healthier. Yeah, and, and we've talked to our guests about some of their practices, especially with mental health and uh, you know having that state of mind that allows them to maintain creativity and endurance. Really, it's a different kind of lifestyle. So there is something a little bit different 
I, I would say about our kind of day to day, the way that we live for better or for worse, like it lends itself to some things that might be easier for us in some ways to take good care of ourselves. And some things are more challenging, such as being on tour, like that's really hard on your body and an outside the box type of work life. Uh, of course, you're not doing that all the time, but we thought we'd just touch on some of those kind of daily practices and then uh, we've laughed about some of the things we've experimented with, and maybe we'll yeah. touch on some of those too and <laughs> see if any of our listeners have tips and suggestions of their own that they can add. I think uh, being a musician in my earlier days, it was, and maybe it was just my own fault, but it was harder to stay on top of health because, I don't know, you're you're more apt to stay up with your friends and have some some drinks and to have late nights and to just kind of go after the excitement. Yeah, and your body allows that probably a yeah. bit more too. And as you get a little older, you realize that you need to pay a bit more attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it and mm-hmm. who you're doing it with. So why don't we look at Diet and nutrition as one bucket, exercise as a second bucket, and then kind of a mindfulness practice of sorts, whatever that encompasses. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, again, we're not going to give specific advice here, but just want to talk about just what we've done and what's, what's helped us, I guess. Okay. So let's start with exercise, because that's something we both like to do and something we grew up doing, which not everyone has. And especially I have found it's not to say that creativity and physical activity are mutually exclusive, but not a lot of people growing up necessarily who identified as this as a creative person was also an athlete. Those two things don't always go together. You and I fortunately had that in common, but I don't know if that's typical. I, yeah, I grew up playing a million sports and sports were probably for a long time bigger to me than anything creative. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I, pl- I started playing sports like when I was five or six, I guess, uh, hockey and baseball and, Eventually started playing basketball and volleyball and, but I was playing sports longer than I was playing guitar or whatever. Like I was 13 when I picked up a guitar, but I'd already been playing sports for eight years in, in, in my life. Was there a point that you thought you would pursue that rather than life as an artist? Uh, yeah. When I was naive enough to think that I would be, <laughs> I was good enough to be a, Michael a basketball player. Uh, but yeah, I, I, by the time I was like 15, I knew that I was too slow, too slow, too not tall. <laughs> Did you still maintain an, a practice of exercise in that period you just referenced in your say early twenties or your younger years? Uh, once I, I, when I left high school and in high school, I was playing some days, six hours of sports. Like I'd have, uh, basketball, soccer, and volleyball practice all in a day. Yeah. You know, you have two, two hours of practice for each one. 
and just could run for 12 hours straight basically and then you would have had to add your jumping program with your makeshift sneakers on top of that maybe you should talk about that tip straight off the top yeah i did uh when i was a young lad all i wanted to do was be able to jump high because michael jordan was my hero and i'm named after him actually uh and i i saw an ad on tv for jump soles which were these like sneakers that had like three inches of rubber on the toes. So you're essentially always walking around on your tippy toes, giving your calves a workout. And of course, a young fellow in Cape Breton couldn't afford those. They were like a hundred bucks or something. So uh, a good thing about having a cheap parent is that they never throw out old pairs of sneakers. <laughs> and two older brothers. Yeah. Helped. So we just had a surplus of, old shitty sneakers lying around so i cut the toes off a pair of old sneakers taped them on to my my good sneakers and i'm like it's pretty good i can go a little higher so i cut the toes off another pair taped them on so i essentially had like they're like reverse high heels reverse high heels and i just walk around everywhere in those just trying to trying to strengthen my my calves. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that was supposed to help. <laughs> and uh, and then I ordered two other programs. One was called Air Alert Two, which was basically just a perfect recipe for burning yourself out. Mm-hmm. It was seven days a week and nonstop exercise for your legs. I think that was their slogan. Great advice. Like the last, <laughs> it was a twelve week program, and the last week, I don't think any athlete in the world would be able to do the exercises it's like 75 calf raises per leg three sets and like it's just just ridiculous but uh that and this other one i got that was this uh set of tapes that encouraged me to use testosterone but if i couldn't get my hands on testosterone as a 12 year old boy to eat lots of cottage cheese so I just ate tons of cottage cheese, walked around on my jump soles, and did exercises till I couldn't walk. Wow. But I could jump high. Well, moral <laughs> of the story. <laughs> there was no uh, a thing, a term that's tossed around nowadays is uh, work smart, not hard. And I did never, I never did that until like maybe this year or so. I guess that's the beauty of research, though, and we have learned, and again, we're not here to give advice, but we, we've liked listening to podcasts or reading articles and just educating ourselves on, okay, we're middle-aged now, we've got some more aches, like things work a little bit different, what new research is out there, and how can we apply that to our own lives and what makes sense? So I, I think we do a pretty good job at that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I- and I guess to continue the story there, after high school, I took uh, human kinetics mm-hmm. in university, which was ultimately studying why the human body moves the way it does. And, or a glorified gym teacher would be what uh, the the program, glorified gym class, essentially. <laughs> like, um, But it, it was athletic based. And I took that until I left school to pursue music mm-hmm. and i know you yourself you you started figure skating when you were very young yeah i was three years old when i started at the rink and pursued that until i was maybe 15 or 16 and was faced with the decision of whether or not i wanted that to be my life or just being a general teenager which is 
the choice I went with. But like you also played a number of other sports, basketball and track and field. I really enjoyed. And you uh, were the 110 meter champion, weren't you? Uh, I ran hurdles and did pretty well in that. I had great coaches, especially for growing up in a small town. We had an exceptional track team. And I don't know that athletics are as popular as they were when we were kids, but uh, I think so. I think they're making a bit of a comeback. But it really, it set the foundation for health, yes. But it being part of a sports team, again, especially growing up in a small place, like you get to travel new places and you learn leadership and teamwork and failure and all of those things that I now understand were part of the beauty. And it's it's a little bit different as a grown-up. Um, I miss that team environment and kind of energy that you get from other people. But a lot of the exercise I do now is solo. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, you and I as well try to find things that we can do together. We took up tennis this year, took up, meaning we like bat the ball terribly <laughs> at one another, but it's hilarious and fun. Yeah. So there's, there's ways like that to get movement in still, but I, I think we have the benefit of having that be part of our childhood. I think it would be tricky to just start working out when that was just never of interest to you. Yeah, I think the the key at any age really is just to find something you enjoy and it doesn't have to be anything, you don't have to be powerlifting at the gym or anything, but yeah, going, going for a walk five days a week or a couple of days a week, like that is, that is exercising. Yeah. And I, I find as an artist, myself personally, like it's. 100% necessary to be a creative person to 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 exercise and even walks especially like I know many many people famous or or not that that need that type of exercise to just just gather their thoughts even Stephen King is a big uh, advocate for for walking. He goes for huge walks and comes up with ideas and sits down and starts to write afterwards. Yeah. But you both need to I find I use exercise as a way to just kind of escape from the creative world in that I don't want my mind to 100% all the time be thinking of ideas and coming up with with chord progressions and all that and that's kind of where my mind generally goes all the time. It's just thinking up new things. So how am I going to get to the next level? How am I going to keep growing? Like it's just always on that path. But when I, if I'm out for a, a jog or doing something that's fairly intense, like you can't really think of those things. Like you're able to just narrow in and just be in the moment. It's interesting because often those little breaks and going for a walk, be it because you're separate from your work, because you're in nature, because you're taking in the fresh air, you're getting the vitamin D, the collection of all of those things often leads to a great creative idea too. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, it's it's excellent for your brain health as well, just getting that movement in. So for us, exercise is as simple as going for a walk at times, but what other kinds of more vigorous exercise do you like to implement that others may enjoy? 
Uh, I like boxing mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and yeah, not like training to to fight someone else, but just the movements of it, and it's it's fairly natural. Like the the movements in boxing have existed for a long time, and probably a bit ingrained in our DNA. Well, it it's it is ingrained yeah. in your genetics. It wasn't? Do you want to talk about your? Great grandfather? Uh my grandfather. Your grandfather, yeah, he, sorry. He was a boxer in the navy. Yeah. But uh but I think going way back like when uh we were all Neanderthals sure. and and uh Homo sapiens or a lot of, you know, just friendly boxing going on between tribes like Yeah, so you've got a death. heavy bag out back. Got a heavy bag in the backyard. I love I love that. Like I don't know, maybe maybe I don't come across as someone who would, but I I just find it just kind of uh meditative mm-hmm. it's really and and something i'm not very good at so i like doing things that because like something like basketball i played my whole life and i know i know how to do everything that i want to do but i can't necessarily do it anymore because i'm a little slower a little <laughs> not as athletic and it's almost more uh I don't know, just discouraging. Like if I went and played a game and I'm like, oh man, like these guys are no good, but I'm no good too. I, I would have been way better than these guys 10 years ago or whatever. But I boxing, see. I'm like, I don't care if I'm good at this or whatever. Like, I feel like you've tried a lot of things. This past winter, there was a, I'll say musicians hockey team, although I know there were lots of players that weren't just musicians, but part of the industry. And you really enjoyed that. That was something new without that pressure like you're describing. It was fun. You were with your friends. I I thought it was super cool that you just had the courage to join something at this part of our life with no strings attached. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was mainly musicians and people in the entertainment world here in Halifax area. Yeah. And, uh, most people, there's a few few pretty good players, and most people aren't great. And I would be below the aren't great people. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's another thing where like I didn't really play hockey, so I don't feel like I'm supposed to be good. At yeah, it. but I think that's a great tip. Really, is you don't have to be an expert at anything. Part of the fun sometimes is being terrible at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you're going to take up line dancing, for example. Line dancing? but they Well, we just saw that there's a kickboxing gym that opened uh, in our area. Mm-hmm. And I shoot, shot them a message and they wrote back a rather cryptic answer that didn't really give me too much. But uh, I, I have one day of Muay Thai kickboxing training when we were in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Yes, you can read that story in our book. Yeah. And I sweat so much uh, just on the walk there before I even started working out. I thought I was going to die. I was so tired. (laughs) And then uh, the guy told me to go run five miles. (laughs) Buddy, just take a look at me. It's not happening. Who do you think I am? Didn't you lie? Didn't he say like do a minute of jumping jacks or something? uh, 10 minutes of skipping. Yeah. (laughs) You wanted me to skip for 10 minutes. And, uh. I I did for like a few minutes and like it was yeah, I'm, I'm I'll just do whatever till I can't walk anymore but I was it was just so hot it's like 46 degrees and I yeah. find with working out 
We are relatively consistent of some form of exercise because we enjoy it. And that can be kayaking or hiking or skating or, you know, fun things. But we also have more individual things. I prefer doing yoga. I go to yoga classes and I like that style of working out. Uh, unlike you say boxing, that's not for me and it is for you. Yeah. But um, I also find it can take a while like usually about a month for me of consistent training before you start to feel that shift physically. But I know that I'm in a good place when I wake up in the morning and you're hungry for it. Like your body is not only already energetic, but you're you're really excited for that workout that day. Do you have that kind of time frame yourself or is it just like, Okay, I've made up my mind. I'm going to start doing this, and you're just automatically in that headspace. Well, I kind of never not been active in like the last, I don't know, ten ish years. Maybe like a few weeks here and there, where whatever you're on tour or something, and you don't really, you can't really do it. But when we're home here, like every day, I do something, mm-hmm. and that's kind of to a detriment too like I, I always get to a point where I'm just so tired and burnt out that I just have to stop because I I always overdo it and that's part of starting to learn how to listen to my body and listen to what I need because like in the last two years I've probably lost and gained probably a hundred pounds like mm-hmm. Every six months, I usually lose about 35 pounds in two months. Yeah. Then gain it back, lose it again. And That's what they call yo-yo dieting. <laughs> but it's it's always on a cycle. Like I'm freaking, like if I if I didn't get to that point where I couldn't move and felt like I need to eat freaking a volcano worth of food, <laughs> uh, I'd probably be like the fittest man alive. But I just never i always get to a point and i just i i've lost 35 pounds of like get on the cusp of getting into good shape and then i just feel like okay so what is what is that about why do you think it's that ebb and flow well it's not it's not even necessarily an ebb and flow like the desire is still there to do it it's just like oh both my knees are busted now okay i can't walk i can't exercise um, so it's usually you're on the path to wellness, yeah. overdo it, yeah, and then it's just like fuck it. Yeah, it's not even not even fuck it. It's more like I can't do anything. Yeah, okay. Uh, and yeah, that happens every year. For mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> or has happened every year. Yeah, in the last four five years. I know this of you, of course, and have experienced it myself. I was once a long distance runner and. I've suffered my greatest injuries in training for a full marathon. I was so close. I was on my taper week, and anyone who runs knows that you peak in your training. I ran, I think, 38 kilometers, and Mike, you would drive around and bring me water and electrolytes and whatnot, and I I love running. It's just, it's so great for your mind, especially. That's what I miss about it, but I have injuries now that are 10 years old from that time of training, and probably shouldn't take up running ever again in my life but when you love something you're always looking for a way that you can get back to that so yeah. i can certainly relate to how injuries are a roadblock but 
I find too, and maybe we'll move a little bit into the nutrition part here and some of our experience, but I have found my yo-yoing and weight gain especially comes when we go on vacation because yeah. it's just this free for all of like, I don't know, it's it's so much different when you're at home and cooking for yourself and you're in a bit of a routine. But when we go away, it's just kind of an excuse to do <laughs> anything yeah. you want. Yeah. Um. And even when we were in Colombia, we were eating healthy vegetarian meals. And that was kind of up until that point, uh, I'd lost 30 pounds <laughs> in two months. Yeah. Like I can lose weight. That's your pretty- routine. Yeah. And we're going, oh, we're going to eat healthy vegetarian. And I hiked a mountain, like a literal mountain, every twice every day. a day, morning and evening, <laughs> like over freaking some days, over 30,000 steps in a day, like climbing a mountain, like couldn't be like, like unless I was training to be like, a, I don't know, some type like of a Rocky film triathlete. Like I couldn't really have worked out much more <laughs> and just because we were eating differently than what we would cook ourselves, I gained 25 pounds. In a yeah, month. I think having that knowledge of what works for your body yeah. is so important. And that's certainly a top tip that we've learned, especially at our age, like portion size, of course, that always matters no matter who you are. But we've learned like, it, you know, eating vegetarian. Sure, you think this is healthier, but not not necessarily oh, not for our body types. There, There's a yeah. lot of calories, a lot of carbs. We do better with a high protein diet and just cutting out gluten, alcohol, sugar, and dairy. If you get rid of those things, it feels like a a big loss that you're going to mourn. But if you really want to see an improvement, then we have found those four things like at, at the very basics of changing your diet, that has made a huge difference in how we feel. And uh, often with, uh, the periods of, I guess, not being healthy, I take it to a point where I get, like, I guess fairly far gone where, like, you know, I was, whatever, eating cheesecake, drinking lots of wine, and all of a sudden my stomach is bloated. I feel just constant pain of acid reflux. I'm depressed. <laughs> like, it's a, yeah. a horrible, it's... Like you think you're enjoying, oh, this this wine's awesome. Like I feel great when I'm drinking this, and the next day you just have, uh, yeah, your body's just breaking down. And this this all has taken years to really learn, and I still don't know it completely. But uh, I know I often, in terms of diet, after after I injure myself from from exercising too much, I then eat too much gain a bunch of weight and then uh, come to a point where I'm like, this is it changing everything because I feel pain all through my body. I need to make some huge adjustment. And then we usually have a really strict period. How does being uh, a musician or working in this world impact things like diet and nutrition? Uh, If you're touring, it's, almost impossible to be healthy yeah i've found like in the past when you're and if you have if you have more money and are more successful you can probably probably achieve it uh a bit easier but just the way we used to tour when it was just 
rough in it, I guess you would say. Like you're You're picking up gas station pepperoni and yeah, cheese and Yeah. Probably drinking more than you yeah. normally would and staying yeah, it, up late. It's, it's tough. Um Yeah. I know a lot of musicians struggle with it. Um It's just, it's just you have to be surrounded by people who are who have a healthy mindset and most of the time you're not. And especially when you're when you're traveling from city to city and you're seeing different people every night and that's their one night to hang out with you and just just have a good time, you feel you feel like part of your duty is to just participate. Know, yeah. Show show that you're a fun person, that sure. you're entertaining and like our our band has been well, just found out like 15 minutes ago, we're nominated for entertainer of the year, you know, and like, we like to be entertaining and I don't know, getting, getting into stuff, like nothing too crazy or anything, but just. Uh, we also have some good friends in the industry that uh, are sober. Yeah. So they're pursuing sobriety for however long they choose to do that. We had a guest on Tony Ronalds that shared his story of addiction in his past and has been sober for nine years now and has almost started this whole new life in the music industry. So do you think that that comes with just age or wisdom? Because it seems like some of the folks we know that are pursuing sobriety, they're not middle-aged and it's just a, a life choice that it seems from an observer's role anyways that maybe they too reached a level of like, okay, this just doesn't feel good anymore. Like, do you have to reach that breaking point to make that change? Uh, probably. Like, I don't know anyone in their early 20s who's like just responsible and has their shit together. <laughs> then you don't even have to have your sh- be like a disaster or anything, but it's just, the average person in their twenties is, you know, likes to party with their friends and sure. I think that, and then in the music world, like if you're the entertainer for all these people, that's like a just a, a time to socialize. And I'm, I'm sure there's some people who just from the very start just decided they're not gonna consume anything and. They probably have a team behind them doing a lot of the stuff they they need to do. Yeah, it certainly helps with your endurance and clarity, motivation, all of these things. Brain function, again, is impacted by nutrition, of course, and what you're feeding your body. I find as well, it can be confusing because there is so much competing information out there. So something as basic as talking about the vegetarian diet, of course, a lot of people eat that way and would advocate for that. And there's reasons beyond just health benefits. There's environmental impacts and animal well-being and so on. But aside from that, there's the keto diet and paleo diet and OMAD and, you know, just all of these different ways of eating. I I think for, for me, and I can only speak for myself, it's really just you have to experiment with what works for you because there is evidence to back up all of these yeah. diets that is true and works for many people. It just might not work for you. So it can also be easy to become frustrated to say, well, you know, you throw your hands up like, well, I tried the keto diet and it didn't work for me or I got headaches or this or that. And that's likely true. It just means that you have to tweak things. Yeah. So the, the time it 
takes to invest can also be discouraging. Oh, I, I think it's 100% necessary to experience with all these things, with what works best for your body in terms of what you're eating and what you like to do for exercise. Like Both those things, if you dial it in to suit you and your needs, you're going to feel exponentially better. I've really tried recently to focus more on how I feel, how strong I feel, how much energy I have, how happy I am, rather than how much do I weigh. And I I don't know that as many men struggle with this, but I can certainly say from a, a woman's point of view and maybe growing up in the era that I did and just being exposed to so much pop culture that being thin was the absolute most important thing about your body and, you know, air quote health, like they are not the same thing. And it's it's been a, a focus of mine, admittedly, uh, for a lot of my wellness has been like, I want to achieve a certain look. And that's okay. It can be motivating for a lot of people. But I think it's dangerous for that to be your only motivation. And I'm really trying to get away from, you know, my waistline versus just feeling fit and capable and healthy. Do you find... From a man's perspective, like how much is that vanity component in matter? Uh, well, for me, quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. Just like when I when I am two hundred and thirty five pounds versus two hundred pounds, like I'd be embarrassed to take my shirt off in public. Okay, like I'm more. It's more just me being hard on myself. Like I'm disappointed in myself that I got to this point and. That's a bit of perfectionism sneaking in where, you know, I, I used to be a pretty good athlete and used to be this and that. And I, I just look at myself as though I've, I've, I've let myself down and I don't know, it just, uh, it's not like something I focus on all the time, but there's just a point where, yeah, I feel like a disgusting piece of shit <laughs> versus like, oh yeah, I don't care. And when I was younger, like I, I wasn't, I guess I was fitter and I didn't think about it at all, maybe just because it, but I wasn't trying, I wasn't like, oh, thank God I look this way or um, this is the, how I want to look or anything. Never thought about it like that. It wasn't until I went past that, got a little older and put on a few more pounds and it's just like in certain situations, you kind of feel a little bit I guess embarrassed, maybe. Mm-hmm. Does that impact your ability to perform on stage? Like if you're carrying extra pounds, how much of an impact would that have? Uh, I can still perform and put on a show as good as I could if I was in the best shape of my life, I think. Yeah. But just just you move better, like being in better shape, obviously. Uh I think there's something to be said just for confidence too and stage yeah, presence and the relationship yeah. there. I'm guessing, but I imagine oh, for there's sure. something there. And some people like there's uh I know tons of people who don't care at all. Like guys who just s- 
severely overweight and will rip their shirt off and be the life of a party or something. Yeah, um, I admire people that just have that level of oh yeah comfort in their own bodies. Like again, it's not about thinness. I, I want to be really clear about that. It's it's really how you feel. People know when they feel good or bad. They they have those comparisons, be it from their past or you know, at some point in your life, you can say like, oh, I was more healthy then or less healthy at that point. And you know how you feel. Oh, well, everyone's mindset is different. And the the mindset that, well, allows me to be a moderately successful musician who works really hard is, and have, I'll, I have a, f- a fear of failure in, in music. Like I want to, I want to put out an awesome album. I want people to like it. And I have that same same ideas with myself and I want people to like me. I want people to like, it's, it's not something I'm proud of, but I know a lot of people do feel that way. Like they just have the, in terms of their self-esteem, they just want people to enjoy them, enjoy their presence, think they're funny, think they're whatever attractive, think they're. Yeah. I love your honesty. I think this is something that most people are timid to say out loud, but we all have in common. And not and man, I've met some people who who don't have anything going for them, and they have the confidence of a Greek god. And I don't know how that exists, but good for them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lesson there for yeah, us, perhaps. Yeah, uh, I, I think just so many things come into shape our confidence, or self esteem, and whatever your parents didn't buy a new pair of figure skates when you were a little girl and then that changes part of you for your whole life you know like there's so many funny example because i remember (laughs) the day that i got new figure skates that i still wear now i had got them when i was maybe 13 i I, i've never been i wore them to bed that night i was so proud (laughs) of them so (laughs) those things it's a funny example but that did actually matter to me and was a huge a, deal. That was a good. You got them, so that I that did. Made I you did. Good. I did get those. It was yeah. That was an exciting day. But I think a lot of what you're speaking to now um, is along the lines of just general mental health as well, like yeah. confidence, self esteem, uh, and we we not only consider our mental health, but we have a fairly consistent practice in trying to keep that in check. And this is another area where we have done a lot of experimentation, seeing what works for us and what doesn't. And we've talked before on the podcast. Let's let's start with our cold dips, because I think that also aligns with your physical well-being, too. Like a lot of these things we're talking about, they're all one and the same, mind, body, spirit. But let's talk a little bit about cold dipping. I took an ice bath today. You did. Yeah, you fool. I started... Well, doing a polar dip when I was 12 or so on New Year's Day. A lot of people often do their their annual dip on New Year's Day. And I remember doing that just, almost 30 years ago now um, when I was just a kid and being just so painful and <laughs> like, the craziest thing I ever did in my life and get in the car, drive home. And when I started to like thaw out, just feeling like really alive, like, Mm. and having no idea, I don't know if anyone knew the benefits of it at that point in time. 
now like there's been a lot of research done that shows how it releases all these positive chemicals in your brain and how it's helps battle lots of things your anxiety depression and uh helps you not get sick like there's just endless benefits from it and you can you can look it up yourself there i'm no scientist to explain it all but uh but i think it's it's makes it more interesting coming from people that aren't scientists to yeah. speak about the benefits that we've experienced and i i like to talk about cold dipping myself specifically because it's something that i swore i would never do it's at the absolute opposite end of my comfort zone and the reason i like it so much is because i i'm aware of the health benefits that we've read about and talked about and that I've personally experienced, but it's given me mental strength to do a number of other things that I probably wouldn't have tried. So this was kind of a starting point for me, so to speak, in trying new things and experimenting and challenging myself. And it is hard. It's still hard for me. I still get nervous every time we go. And we've talked about this in depth on other episodes of our cold dipping that we do during the winter and it's just i think it's such a accessible example of something that you can go kind of force yourself to do i'm not going to lie this is not going to be just a walk in the park like sure i'll go try this thing it does take some convincing and it's almost like for me i just made up my mind I- i'm doing this thing and There were no questions asked. It was uncomfortable. I don't want to say I liked it, uh, at least in the beginning. I love how I feel afterwards. It it absolutely has helped with energy. It's helped. I've had days where we've driven to the beach. I'm feeling super tired and anxious and we do the cold dip and I feel completely better. So it's like one or two minutes of pain, we'll say, or discomfort Mm -hmm. and then you feel incredible afterwards. So ask yourself if it's worth it or not. And like you said, it's just the, even if those health benefits didn't exist, it's the fact that you're doing something hard. You're showing yourself that you can do something that's, yeah. that maybe a lot of people would be afraid to do. And you see yourself come, overcoming that challenge and then you're like, well, what else can I do? It's huge. Maybe then you would be willing to try to run for half a kilometer yeah. and you've never run before. It it gives you permission to try something new. And the first dip I did was about one second. It was just in and out. Yeah. But that's all it took for me to then say, oh, well, I did that once. I can do it again for five seconds and then yeah. 30 seconds. And now... I'll sit with you for over a minute mm-hmm. and there you go. Yeah. And it's obviously not for everyone, but, uh, it's, we are a 10 minute drive away from a body of water that we can get into. And if we had, if we could walk out our door and jump in, I would go in every day of the winter. And some people choose to do just a cold shower. That yeah. that isn't for I do me. That yeah, day. I don't. I still don't enjoy that. But you get the same effects, I'm sure, to some extent. Not as much, but a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And so with cold dipping, I know when you were teaching me, I guess about okay, this is what we're going to go do. Some of the techniques that you shared were uh, with breath work, yeah. which is a fairly popular new type of. 
Um, therapy, we'll say there's a variety of different styles of breath work you can do. Again, I'm not an expert, but this is something we've experimented with. Uh, Wim Hof is kind of a popular name that some of you may have heard or followed uh, his work, who also does these cold dips. Yeah, he's and, kind of popularized the cold dip. Yeah. And so using particular types of breathing techniques can help you tolerate the cold water is, is the relationship between the cold dipping and the breathing. But you can also do breath work aside from that in the comfort of your living yeah. room, which which we have done. And what's your experience with breath work been? Uh, positive for sure. Uh, I do some type of breathing exercise every day for sure. Uh, and there's some, there's so many different things. Again, this is figure out what you like to do. If this is something you're interested in, there's yeah. so many different things you can do. And there's ones that are s simple enough as, Breathe in for four seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three thousand, four, one thousand. And hold for seven seconds. Breathe out for eight. And you repeat that for right. as long as you I want. I think that's called box breathing. Yeah. There's, uh, there's also ones where you hold your breath on the in and after the out. There's a very popular one. It's just breathe in deeply for six seconds and breathe out for six seconds. Another popular one is two quick breaths in yeah, and then the release. Yeah. Uh, so our, our good friend, Sarah Mater, she's a breathwork facilitator yeah. here in Halifax. She goes by Sam Lightwork and we've done that style holotropic breathing, perhaps it's called. Um, I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, Sarah and anyone interested, but it's, it's such a, a journey to go on one of these breathwork sessions. I think it's around 20 minutes. Um, there's all different lengths. Yeah, the test, the session. Sorry that I've done with Sarah. Yeah, I've yeah. done a couple solo sessions with her, and it's it's roughly I want to say between eighteen and twenty two minutes. So I'll go with twenty minutes there. And you're doing this two breaths in out in a way that it's cyclical, so you're never really giving a break from that pattern, and your body starts to fight it. Like like the cold dipping, there's a, a moment of discomfort, like a few minutes in there actually, and your brain starts to kind of go haywire, like stop, retreat, this is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you're working with that to keep going. And in fact, she'll encourage you to go harder. And you push through this barrier into this space of just total bliss. Some people have emotional releases. You might cry. You might yell. Uh, your your hands sometimes will almost claw yeah. in. Like there's physical things that can happen as well, but it's a really fascinating new kind of technique that we've been experimenting with. Yeah. I, I did one of these sessions, an online one, uh, just I think it was called Breathwork Online. And they offer, you can get your first class for free. You know, I did that. And the first time I did it, it was like probably an hour, hour and 20 minutes, the whole thing. And it was, it was incredible. Like it was almost like uh, taking a drug. It is compared, comparable to taking a psychedelic. Yeah. Like a natural way of like, achieving that high or clarity. Yeah. It's just, and everyone's, Everything we're talking about, people are doing it for different reasons too, right? Like, and most, I think most of these mental health things, people are just trying to relax more, trying to get stress out of their life, trying to. 
I want to ask you something about that. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you raised this, the why factor, because I agree with you. We're, we're trying a number of different things and we can talk more about the things that we try, meditation and, you know, journeying in different ways. But I've been thinking a lot lately about the comparisons of, we'll say, the wellness industry and the beauty industry. So hear me out. Yeah. The beauty industry will often say to people, often female consumers, that, you know, wrinkles are bad or gray hair is bad or too much eyebrow hair is bad or not enough eyebrow hair, whatever the thing might be. And we have this product that is going to solve this for you. I, I have found, and I'm not here to, there's so many amazing things in the wellness industry and things that we need, but I've wondered if there's sort of this subliminal message of you are anxious, you are stressed, you are depressed, you don't have enough time. There's almost like we're being fed this narrative of this is almost like the benchmark of your human existence now and we have these things that will make you feel better and I've been trying to ask myself lately like am I like am I those things and need to take advantage of some of these therapies or am I just good and I can still do these great things and just feel better I don't know have well, you that's all on yourself to know I, I guess it's, yeah, it's your own personal insight, but I, I've just been questioning a little bit, like, where am I starting from? Like, am I really trying to fix something or heal something or am I just, I'm good and I can just get better from there by doing these things. And there isn't, there aren't a lot of practitioners that are really speaking from that point of view, I'm finding. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, people trying to capitalize on on it but i also think that even though we live in a world that's better than it's ever been like we're safer than we've ever been there's less disease we live longer we're just i don't know people are accepted more like we also are connected to our phones nonstop and the whole idea of comparing yourself to others that existed in just magazines and television shows in the nineties and eighties. That's one interface 100% of the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know what the statistics are, but I know people are definitely more depressed and, and anxious than they were ever in human history, mm -hmm. even though we have it better than we've ever had it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. We also have more services and products to mitigate those feelings. Yeah. I don't know. It's just food for thought. I think it's it's good that the all those products exist though. Like without that, we would just be spiral and maybe we already are, but a spiraling uh society towards uh I don't know, stuff that's not good. <laughs> I think you can, I, I'm looking back as well on some of the practices that used to be more dominant in my daily life. So I am a Reiki master, Reiki practitioner, or was in my past. That was something that at that time I really connected with. And it's not that I don't align or, or discourage those types, that type of energy work, but I think that my mindfulness practice just looks different now. 
And that's something I wanted to raise as well today is kind of the whole idea of just giving yourself permission for this to evolve. Like something that you loved in the past doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that you turn to that you connect with at different stages of your life. Yeah, I think everyone's changing all the time and just like experimenting with what food you should eat that works best for you. Experimenting with what works best for your mental health is important too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that goes hand in hand. Like if you eat better and exercise, like your mental health's going to be better. Yeah. But there's just so many little things like turn your phones off two hours before you go to bed. Uh, don't look at your phone as soon as you wake up. Like go for a walk right away. There's endless lists of advice that that can help and for each person i think developing some type of routine is is what matters what you and specific to to yourself you spend a lot of time both songwriting and creative writing so novels or short stories whatever that form looks like you also do journaling to some extent or or morning yeah. pages, which is a, if you've read Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way is a, an exercise that she suggests. I'm curious how like that style of writing feels different because I think if I wrote as much as you did, I wouldn't turn to writing as a type of therapy. Well, it's more just organizing your thoughts. Okay. Like... If you're just sitting there and your thoughts are just going a mile a minute, you can't really keep track of what's what. But when you sit down and try to write, and write out what's happening, you can really focus in on them and kind of see where they're trying to take you or you can get rid of one that's that doesn't make sense and focus on what, what truly does. I think it's just because, and it's always written by hand, and I think the the beauty of that is, is that your thoughts ultimately slow down because your hand can only write so fast. Mm-hmm. And you really can just pay attention to what's going on in your head. Mm, I like that description, that your thoughts slow down because you can only write so fast. Yeah, well, if your purpose is to write down your thoughts, then... Yeah, I just hadn't really considered that being one of the benefits, but that yeah. makes total sense now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, and so I've heard so many people and just seen different uh, people advocate for just journaling in general to kind of be a, a way to, I don't know, just have control over over yourself and what what's going on. And I think it's uh, a practical way to just be, be in tune with yourself. You've mentioned the quote before i think it's a jack kerouac quote that's if this isn't nice i don't know what is no kurt vonnegut kurt vonnegut i'm sorry so that's in ref what tell me about this this quote and i i want to talk about this uh he had an uncle who used to just say it to him all the time in reference to well it's just about trying to enjoy the moment it's Mm -hmm. like every time something nice was happening they the uncle would say that if this isn't nice, I don't know what it is. Uh, just because a fly has been landing on my forehead for yeah, Jesus, how long? I keep pointing to Mike's forehead <sighs> and he keeps slapping it and missing it. I think you might have got it that time. No, I saw it fly away. I just don't want you to have a giant fly bite on your forehead because that'll be very itchy. 
But yeah, it was just about enjoying the moment, like sinking into what's happening rather than thinking about either what's coming after or what happened before. So yeah, and and we've tried to do that. Like every time something nice is happening, just say that exact line. Yeah, and I love it because it's so simple. It's something you can say to yourself or out loud. And I've tried to implement more of that in my day-to-day life because I think... People can get caught up in the idea of meditation, especially being this very specific practice of I have to sit cross-legged and my back hurts when I do that for too long and it's quiet and a bug's going to land on my forehead. And there's all these barriers to making it an enjoyable practice, which I imagine would make it hard to stay consistent. But meditation can be while you're washing the dishes or standing in the shower or really just about anything. It's it's more about being present and just paying attention to what's happening right now and how does that water feel on your hands and what's the sound of even the fridge humming, which might not sound that spiritual, but it's just to say it can be that simple, at least as a starting point. And I have found taking note of if I'm feeling really good in a particular environment or even just waking up and feeling good that day, like, oh, I have energy, I had a good sleep, all these things are going my way. Recognizing that has become a meditation practice for me. And this Kurt Vonnegut line I love because it's just so simple, it's memorable, and it can be applied to the simplest of circumstances. Yeah, and I think the goal of every mindfulness activity or every every activity focusing on mental health is to bring you into the moment because ultimately the moment you're in is is good like not all obviously there's bad situations you can be in but anxiety and depression are caused from not being present you're worrying about the past or you're thinking about the future it's and when you can actually fall into the moment, the present, that's when you are relaxed. This is going to be maybe a tricky question, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but how do you stay present? I think, again, this is one of these messages that we constantly hear, like, well, just be mindful and stay present. And like, how, how do you do that if you're at a heightened state of anxiety? Uh, well, I think like things like cold, cold dipping, mm-hmm. um, exercise, uh, songwriting, just doing all the things that we've talked about are ways to just be present. And I love, I love going for a walk and listening to a podcast or listening to music, but I also like to just not bring anything and just focus on what I'm seeing as I'm walking. Like, Oh, there, that tree is nice. Uh, you know, that bag of chips doesn't fit in there. Um, yeah. Like that's, that's a form of mindfulness that I, I know a lot of people practice just observation, using your senses to pick up what's around you. But ultimately for me, it's just, just trying to do things that I enjoy that, yeah, like, like songwriting for me when I'm in the midst of writing a song or when I'm recording in the studio, mixing in my workflow, like I'm completely zoned in and focused in on the task. And anxiety isn't always or all bad either. 
Well, it's if we didn't have anxiety, we'd we'd all we'd die. be dead basically. Yeah. So I, I, there's that there's that way of thinking about it as well. In that, again, going back to this narrative that we're told in, I have this thing that's going to help remove this or fix this part of your life. You're not you're not a bad person or having a bad experience because you're feeling anxiety being consumed in that and it taking over, of course. And, you know, I guess that's what we're talking about in finding mitigation for it. But anxiety exists for a reason and in part a positive reason. So I think even recognizing that and thinking about it in that way could help manage it. Well, yeah, I think I think everyone now knows why anxiety does exist. It's it's a ancient part of our DNA where when we we had to experience fight or flight instinct to survive when we were fleeing from saber-toothed tigers and we were prey to other animals and other people coming over to murder our tribes like anxiety is a leftover part of our genetics mm-hmm. that kept us safe and it's like pain like if you touch the burner and it's hot it's meant to help you yeah if you hold your hand on the burner not so good yeah so i think that and nowadays it's whatever you send a text out and you don't get anything back and your body reacts like there's a saber-toothed tiger gonna jump out and fly your throat apart and eat your organs but that's just our natural human reaction like we're that's what our genetics are telling us and all these little things we're talking about are ways to remind ourselves oh yeah that's not actually happening Mm -hmm. like it's not so bad what are some of the more obscure health type of things that you have experimented with um i don't know if i've done anything obscure like to anyone who's tried things they would know about all of them but like i fast like fairly Mm -hmm. often uh, right now I'm getting back into just doing 24 hour fasts every day to eat one, one meal a day. Uh, I've gone 72 hours without eating any food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty like, I've done a lot of research on it before I did this and there's certain little certain supplements to consume just like electrolytes, prebiotics, uh nutritional yeast and all this information is out there but uh fasting is like really getting the the health benefits are just uh really really big like people around the the world people have done it for thousands of years like it's part of religions uh but again in modern science it's really becoming a thing where people use it to benefit their minds and bodies yeah it's it allows your body time to heal at, yeah. at its most basic form i guess or reason that we might do that your your body's metabolizing constantly so giving it a break can help with rebuilding cells and efficiencies i suppose yeah and if you have like digestive issues and and again everything is do your research ask Mm -hmm. your doctor whatever again we're just two musicians two artists here talking about stuff talking about our personal experimentation (laughs) yeah but um 
like I have a lot of digestive issues and acid reflux and irritable bowel and the when I do intermittent fasting and I'm really focused and following it very very specifically like that does wonders for for what's going on with me gut health has become another major topic of research and discussion in the wellness industry too which we've benefited from cleaning that up and it it helps with so they think they think of your gut as your second brain or in some cases your primary brain depending mm. on the doctor who's research you're reading but we've We've also looked at, aside from fasting, different kinds of supplements to help uh, build those efficiencies in our gut health, which you always end up mentally feeling better as well. Yeah, um, I love drinking kombucha for uh, the, the probiotics in it. Mm -hmm. And just I like the taste of it. Uh <laughs> Something I tried recently, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. I I did my own coffee enema. Yeah. So I this, wasn't here. No, this was when Mike went away. This is this was what I did in my alone time. I remember when I told you about this that you had said like maybe 10 or 15 years ago that enemas were kind of this big deal and you could go to places and have them done and maybe they still offer that. This was a it was not uncomfortable in a way that you might think um there's a whole process to it but it's one of those things that i probably wouldn't have thought to try um it was recommended by a friend and they had had success in just feeling well cleaned out i suppose like there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets stagnant up in there and once you start reading about <laughs> Like the bacteria and parasites and that sort of thing that can be found. It's um, it's just another way that uh, you can experiment. And, and we've said a couple of times so far, you just have to find that thing that your body responds to. So we have so many different, there's osteopathy and massage therapy, acupressure, acupuncture, aromatherapy, reflexology, like the list goes on and on. I think all of these things are effective for the right person. Yeah, just figure out what what you like, what works for you, and what your needs are is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to go do all these things if you feel awesome already. Yeah. So, what's the most awesome that you've ever felt? Ever? Yeah. I mean, aside from being six years old and everything is just working perfectly, like. As an adult and with experimenting with some of these things, do you remember a time that like this is the this is a good combination for me? I'm sleeping well, I feel good, I'm creative. Oh, it's hard to narrow down to like a specific time or mm -hmm. day or hour. This three hundred and twenty two days ago I was uh I, I don't know. It's uh a we're always a work in progress, I find. Like mm -hmm. just and I like figuring out what works best. Like I, I like experimenting with things and trying sauna and cold dip and trying different diets. And when, when I figure, when I find something that works, I love sticking with that until it doesn't anymore. And some, some things I'll probably stick with for life. Like I love journaling. I love, I love going in the water. I love 
like so many different things and some of those may, I might not like in a few years and some I might do my whole life and others I'll pick up along the way, but I love to find new things and just see where it takes me. Is there anything that you haven't experimented with that you'd like to try? Um, I want to have a sauna and be able to go from a sauna into a body of water back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like I know like the like spas offer that type of thing, like Nordic spa. But I've never never really done that. I've been in uh, a sauna and rolled around in the snow or a hot tub and rolled around in the snow. But uh, I know like the benefits of sauna usage are like extend your lifespan drastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of this day. is just about access. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a sauna and or a body of water right beside. Yeah, um, that that's something I I've, I'd love to just try some time, just be able to go back and forth and just feel because I know when I do both, when I do each one individually, I feel very alive and I think doing back and forth I would feel like Superman mm-hmm. what about you I find my body responds well to massage therapy and I was a massage therapist for a number of years of my life so I can maybe just have a deeper appreciation for the benefits but I like massage because it's one of those experiences that you feel really good while it's happening unlike like for me uh, going back to breath work it's I think everybody experiences that moment of discomfort and it's worth it, but it's also something that aggravates my uh, tinnitus. Like just the way that your blood pressure goes up, I I find that like an extra layer that's bothersome versus massage is just, for me, I enjoy it start to finish and then you feel great afterwards. So it's like a win-win. I'd like to experiment with some different styles of massage so I I had a Thai massage for example when we were traveling and in Chiang Mai and um I I've done this in other countries that we visited so their styles and techniques practices are a little bit different than what is available here in Canada or at least from the practitioners I found so yeah maybe do a little bit of a a global circuit and just get rubs everywhere that sounds pretty good eh? and then we can jump in the sauna and the snow and all the things yeah Um, yeah, but nothing, nothing, I'm sure there's something I can't think of that I, I, I'd like to try, uh. Well, maybe folks can let us know of some techniques or experiences that they've had that they might suggest. I'm sure there's things out there that, of course, that we don't know about or that may be available in the city that, uh. Yeah, we just haven't explored. Oh, I want to. I want to float. Go to Lindsay's oh, float yeah. center. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I have done yeah. flotation therapy. It's so unique, like total, yeah. just cut off of all stimulation. What yeah. what what's the language that she uses? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we have a whole episode with uh, Lindsay D from the flotation center downtown, who yeah. is just an absolute gem of a of a human and the services that they offer there are incredible, but yeah, deprivation, sensory deprivation. There we go. That's the experience that you have while floating. So yeah, check that out. And yeah, we'll have to get you in for that, Mike. Excited. Yeah. Okay, folks. uh, We want to hear from you. What do you have to say about your experiences in the health realm? 
and how that helps you get through your day to day. And if you're uh, an artist or a creative person or run a business, how, how that helps you kind of function each day and helps your your business grow. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what some of these ideas will be. All right, well, let's go uh, drink some milk thistle or some something in, okay. in honor of this yeah. episode. Okay, <laughs> milk thistle it is. Yeah.